This episode is brought to you by Kith Studio, a 1,300-square-foot creative and community space in Syracuse, New York. Hi, I'm Alex Canavan, and welcome to the Cultivate Podcast, brought to you by the CNY Women's Network. Tune in every Monday for conversations with Central New York's finest. I'll be interviewing an array of entrepreneurs, executives, and changemakers, so be sure to keep your notes app handy. Here's your friendly reminder that no matter where you are, the sky's the limit. One of the other aspects of work today that's different is that people are connecting in totally different ways, right? So for us, a company that's remote first, everybody works at home. Uh, We bring people together once a month for very like meaningful time to spend time together, hang out, have lunch, celebrate whatever amazing thing is happening that month, like Hispanic Heritage Month or Pride Month or whatever, and we do great celebrations and volunteer work. And so it's making that time intentional because I think a lot of people kind of mistake culture for fun, right? And it's really about the humans and how you're treating each other and kind of coming up and showing up for each other. Hello, and welcome back to the Cultivate Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Canavan, and today's guest is an absolute powerhouse to say the least. Stephanie Crockett is the president and CEO of Mower, a fiercely independent, employee-owned, integrated marketing, advertising, and public relations agency with professional staff across the United States and located here in downtown Syracuse, New York. Stephanie is responsible for growth, planning, culture, and leading all internal and external activities of the agency. She also leads the agency's energy and sustainability practice. Drawing on her 25 years in marketing and communications, Stephanie has led multi-divisional complex lead generation and nurturing programs for key clients, including National Grid, First Energy, Avant Grid, LG, Turning Stone Resort Casino, Kraus Health, FedEx, Bausch & Loam, Carhartt, and Simons. Wow. It was an absolute honor and pleasure to sit down with Stephanie. I now see why everybody loves her. Stephanie is... You could say Stephanie's well-known here in the Syracuse region, but that is not by coincidence. Not only has Stephanie been able to climb and slay the corporate ladder, but she's also consistently given back to her community. Get ready to be inspired, uplifted, and motivated. Without further ado, let's welcome Stephanie Crockett to the Cultivate podcast. I've been pretty nervous, but also very (laughs) excited. Nervous because... I really admire everything that you are and what you've done for the community. And then excited because upon doing all my research and reading up about you, we have a lot of similar values. But before we get into who you are and everything that you do, I wanted to ask you a question about leadership. What are some of the principles, characteristics, and habits of what makes up a good leader? That's a great question. I think. The thing about leadership is that people seem to believe that leadership is like a title, right? It's like you become a leader when you hit a certain accomplishment in your career or in your field, in your art, whatever it is. And I don't think that that's the case at all. I always say there's leaders everywhere in every aspect of an organization. I look at my nephew and I think this is a human who is a natural born leader. And he's got those characteristics that I can just see with him. And I think it's To me, the number one thing that makes people good leaders is empathy, without question. And there's been so much talk about empathic leadership and what that means. 
And I think people sometimes, I was just having this conversation with a friend the other day, kind of confuse kindness and empathy. Like treating people properly is being kind, right? Having almost a radar about what people need and how to understand them better and really appreciate who they are is empathy, right? And so to me, I think that's what it is because leadership is not really about you. It's about giving people what they really need. Like my job is to serve my company and to do for them and help them be their happy, best, most fulfilled selves. And so from a characteristic perspective, it's really trying to understand like, what are they looking for out of life? What are they looking for out of their job? What are they looking for out of their their time, you know, in the company or their time with their families? And so for me, being a good leader is one who listens, who really gets to know the people around them. A lot of people talk about like leaders or readers, like not my jam. So I think there's somewhat of like characteristics, but I think for the most part, it's really people who want to get to know the people that are around them and help them be successful. That to me is what leadership is all. Yeah. A true curiosity and interest in other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not really in yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, And recognizing that like my sort of inclined style and the way that I would normally operate on a day-to-day basis, like I'm all like optimistic and inspirational. And for some people, that's not going to work for them, right? They need facts and figures and basics and those kind of things. And so you think about it like you have to modulate a bit of who you are and how you interact with people because you have to treat them how they want to be treated, not how you want to be treated, right? And so I think that's one of the important aspects of it. That's what we call influence as well. Yeah, for sure. Understanding the needs and desires of everyone around you, especially if you're leading a team and kind of molding your leadership style to fit that person's needs. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious, what is Stephanie Crockett's mission? Do you have a mission statement or? You know, I think a lot of people do. They have like their own personal mission statement. I don't, but I think I try and just live it every day. I grew up in a family where community service was really, really important. And so for me, I just want to make the world around me a little bit of a better place, whatever, how big or small that world might be. Like my decision to stay in Syracuse was, okay, if I'm going to stay here and be in this community, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to give back to this community that I get to live, work, and play in. So all the work that I do and sort of, you know, sitting on boards or volunteering or those kind of things is really very intentional for me to say, okay, I'm going to try and make this the best place it can be. How can it be the best Syracuse for the people that are here and help them meet their needs? So I think for me, my mission is really that, right? It's just trying to give back more than I get because I'm so, I have so many wonderful things in life that I'm so grateful for that I'm like, okay, how can I really try and bring some some joy and happiness and love to the people around me? I love it. And also it's not just leaving the world a better place for you. I, I guess it would be leaving Syracuse a better place. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a big part of where I'm at at this point in life, right? As long as I'm here in this community, this is my home. So I think I want to try and make it the best it can be for, again, friends, family, community members, strangers, whoever, just trying to really make it the best place it can be. And that's probably why you have so much joy to share, because you've done a really great job at not only helping the community, but immersing yourself within the community and being really involved. I think there's so many opportunities here for sure. And I'm a big proponent of like loving it and trying to make it better. You know, there's a lot of people in in small communities all over the country that have like a self-esteem problem, you know, and at Syracuse, it's like, we're small, there's nothing to do here. I'm like, there is so much to do. You just have to actually make a little bit of effort. 
And there are so many incredible people in the community that want to do that. So you hear all the time, this is the collaboration, it's coming together. I spent the morning at a downtown committee breakfast with hundreds of people who are all there because of how much they care about this community. And they're so excited to see new developments and businesses and nonprofits making investments and those kind of things. It's just, it's incredible to see. And you know that all those people are like kind of vibing off everybody else's like enthusiasm and excitement to be there. And that that's what it's all about, right? It's just like partnering and having those opportunities to work with awesome people who also care, who want to put the time and effort in and just make things better for everyone. Yeah, no, I love everything you just said right there. That's a huge part of my personal mission. And I totally agree with you where I think Syracuse is the perfect area to even start something new because of that community aspect, that collaborative energy that we have here. Everyone's just happy to see things happening and new things emerging. I think it's a good point. I don't think we take it for granted, right? Like, I don't think we take the development and things because it's a city who's gone through a bit of a of an evolution, right? It's been through some tough times like so many other small cities. And to see great things on the horizon, again, I think people are really grateful for it, right? And so they're like, oh, let's do this together and really partner together. And I felt the same way when I was younger. It was probably about 20 years ago that I was looking to make a move and go move to New York. Then I started dating my husband around that time. I got actually started working at Mower and a couple of years later. And so it was that that kind of kept me here, all the most amazing things. But we have opportunities to do things here that you don't necessarily have in other cities, right? To be able to start your own business and start your podcast and create events and do those things, that's a heck of a lot harder to do in Chicago or in Atlanta where there's so many people, there's so much, I don't want to say competition, but it's harder to do. And so I think that's one of the great things that cities like Syracuse afford people is like you said, the ability to start things. We have such an incredible entrepreneur community here and the investments that all the community members make in incubator space and the advancements at the Tech Garden, Genius New York, like all of those incredible things. It is such a supportive community. And where it's not like, you know, in other places, you're kind of like, grabbing and crawling and trying to figure out how do I make my way? How do I get influence? How do I get the people together that I need? And here, because it just it doesn't scale as big, you can get on the horn with anybody that you need to and are able to really kind of make that happen. So yeah, it's a great city for that. That's also what I've said is not only are people welcoming your new business in with open arms, but if you need something or if there's someone you need to get in contact with, you always kind of know someone that knows someone. Absolutely. Here. And yeah. everyone's willing to help. Yeah. There's something really charming about being in a city where exactly what you said, you meet people. It's so easy. Everybody knows each other. Like when you walk in the place and I walk into Pasta's Daily Bread and every day and they're like chicken Caesar salad. And I just, same thing, Kitty Hoynes. They're like Tito's and soda with lemon. Like they just know, right? There's something really lovely about that. But then I can go the other side of town and like feel that little bit of anonymity and like new people and new things. So I think it's got a nice, a nice balance there. Yeah. So let's go back to your beginning at Mower. How did you get into the company? What is your educational background? Like, let's hear a little bit of an origin story and Ah. and how you got into the marketing and advertising world. Okay. It's sort of an interesting story. So, so for some reason, I don't even know how I knew this, but when I was in high school, you know how like in your yearbook, it says like what you want to be when you grow up. Mine says marketing analyst. I have no idea how I knew what that was. My mom was a teacher. My father was a realtor. I think I knew that I wanted to be in business in some form. Marketing analyst is not exactly what I do, but it's pretty darn close. 
And I went to Geneseo and majored in management. I was not exactly the best college student. I was extremely competitive, very high intensity when I was in high school. So I went to college and had a good time. So I majored in management and boys and beer. And then I graduated and uh, didn't really have a plan because I didn't really have my act together and worked in a couple of jobs in sales, marketing related jobs. And I got my first agency job because a good friend of mine was a bouncer at Coleman's. And I used to spend a lot of time at Coleman's. And he was like, we're looking for a media buyer. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'll go in an interview and get my first job in an agency. We're still very good friends to this day. And so I had the opportunity to work at a couple of small agencies around town, had my act together at that point, went back to my like intense, competitive, you know, human that I was. And one day got a call from Mower that they were hiring an account executive. They had heard about me and wanted to come in and sort of recruited me to come in. And here we are 19 and a half years later. And the CEO. And the CEO now. Yeah. What was that process like for you to kind of climb the ranks and take over the company, essentially? (laughs) It was a lot of hard work, but I had absolutely incredible people around me. Like in any case, it's having one or two people and just like a sense. I mean, I knew pretty shortly after I started at Mower, probably three to six months into it, there were just signs for me that I was like, this is a really good place who are led by incredible humans. Eric Mower and his wife, Judy, are, you know, philanthropists to be, you know, revered. And their commitment to community and that permeates throughout the company was, again, something that was really important to me because it's how I grew up important to my values. And so I realized over my many years there when things would happen in the company, employees would behave badly, clients would behave badly. The way that we reacted to that, how we stood up for ourselves, stood up for our people, kind of fought back was just time and time again, an indication that I was at the right place. And I was at a place that I felt proud of. So over my time, you know, I started, I had a wonderful woman who took me under her wing, Christine Stra. She's our chief administrative officer. And she, you know, kind of smacked me around when I was getting out of line and kind of let me go. She was like, all right, let's go. I will let you know when we need a little guidance and kind of helped me along the way. I learned so much from her. And I don't think that I was like at the moment really conscious of the mentoring that I was getting. You know, sometimes it just is sort of happening. And it wasn't, I mean, Chris was incredible and she advocated for me and really, you know, gave me opportunities. And so I continued to just sort of promote up, get more responsibility, take on bigger clients and do that work because I was always in sort of account management on that side of the business. And then there were all these other people along the way, like everybody around me are these like incredibly talented, amazing, creative people that I learned so much from every day. And I was able to just continue to learn and kind of grow. And I think they recognize that I was there for the right reasons. You know, it's a company that has our priorities in the right place. Like we work really hard. It's a very tough industry, but we also know that family comes first and the humans come first and our happiness and all of that is important. And so I think that probably is something that Eric, you know, probably saw for me. And he and I talked about it several years ago. Like you need somebody to lead this company that's going to lead it in the way that you can be proud about your legacy and that cares as much about the people that are here and has as much love for those people. So we sort of just kind of kept rolling, and here I am. So what I take from that is it's really 
the people behind the company or the brand. Yeah, that for sure takes it to new heights. Yeah, and, and also keeps people like you with great values yeah. and a great work ethic and so much talent to climb the ranks and stick it out for 19 years, right? right? Yeah. It's such an interesting dynamic. Uh, My husband's a college professor and he teaches marketing and advertising and things. So I talk to his students a lot and even some of the people that we often will recruit from his students, Mm -hmm. but just the young people in the organization. And we hear all the time that other professors, you know, when they're in school, they're like, stay somewhere for every, every couple, two, three years, pick up and leave. And go somewhere else because otherwise you get complacent or you are going to get bored and you need to be able to advance and do the things. And for an employer, you're like, oh, gosh, that's not what we want. Please stop telling them that. You know, I think people are often like amazed of like, how could you stay somewhere for that long? Didn't you feel like you were missing out on other opportunities? And I think because especially in our industry, the work changes so much. The industry has changed. I mean, when I first started in this industry, totally dating myself, there was no social media. I mean, there was nothing. There was yellow pages for crying out loud. Like that was an advertising medium that we were using for our clients. And so to think just the nature of the industry itself has changed, but the kind of clients, like we work on so many different kinds of companies. And I think that's one of the important things for us and for all companies to look at a generation that's coming up and saying, okay, these are people who need purpose. They want to make sure that they're working for somebody that, again, shares the core values, but is also demonstrating that and giving them opportunities and feeling like, I'm not just here to spend hours and make work, right? I need to be part of something that's bigger than that and part of a company that cares about things that are bigger than that and give them opportunities to do that. And also opportunities for change, right? Because it can get boring if you feel like I'm in the same spot and I don't have an opportunity to move. Can I check out another department? Can I do something different? And like, it's really incumbent upon us as leaders to modulate a little bit and to make those changes to give people that opportunity. So I think that's a part of it. And I think one of the other aspects of work today that's different is that people are connecting in totally different ways, right? So for us, a company that's remote first, everybody works at home. Uh, We bring people together once a month for very like meaningful time to spend time together, hang out, have lunch, celebrate whatever amazing thing is happening that month, like Hispanic Heritage Month or Pride Month or whatever, and we do great celebrations and volunteer work. And so it's making that time intentional because I think a lot of people kind of mistake culture for fun, right? And it's really about the humans and how you're treating each other and kind of coming up and showing up for each other. Yeah. So, and yeah. part of what I read about you is you've done a great job at establishing a really good company culture at Mueller. Well, I can't, it certainly wasn't just me, right? So yeah. there's yeah. 150 people that are all responsible for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sort of just kind of building on what has already been there and this foundation of like amazing humans. But I took on the job as COO in the middle of COVID and I was like, thanks, dude. Great timing. Let me see how we can make this work. And we've really made it our own way. And I think that's one of the things that being an independent company of our size, you know, we're kind of scrappy. We can sort of do our thing where we look at what's happening in the industry. We look at what's happening all over the place and we're like, okay, great inputs. We're going to do what's right for us. We talk to our employees. We listen to them. Do you want to come back in? Do you want to be home? What's that flexibility that you need and all those things? And so again, I think people feel appreciated and they feel heard because that's what it's all about. And what you were saying earlier, you know, in an industry like ours, where it's all professional services, the only thing that's different between us and the agency down the street is who we have. It's our people. That's it. And their talent and their love and what they bring to the table. And so they're without question the most important 
aspect of what we do, right? Is yeah. making sure that they're all happy and fulfilled and have yeah. days of joy and like all of the things that we all want, you know? Especially with those professional services that are yeah. now getting automated, mm. you know, yeah. having that humanness to your business, but not only that, having a happy human behind right. your business and yeah. a human that's really invested in the mission of the company is ultimately what is going to set you guys apart. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk marketing now in the state of business. Marketing is everything. I think that marketing is the one category that all of the businesses really invested a lot of dollars into yeah. ever since the pandemic happened, right? Yeah. yeah. So what do you think makes a great marketing campaign? I think what makes a great marketing campaign is like truly getting to the heart of people. I always say like the best degree that you can have to go into marketing is a psychology degree because it's about people. That's what we have to understand, right? What makes them happy, sad? What fears do they have? All of those things and really like getting to that heart of, of what it is. You know, I think there's always the propensity for people to think about like, what's my value proposition and my, what are my, you know, unique benefits, like all important at some point, but you have to make people feel something. Our whole thing at Mower is we talk about making fierce friends. That is the way that we approach marketing. And it's based really on like science that will tell you that buying decisions are made on emotion. It's sort of like the subconscious mind, which like, processes information like 500,000 times faster than your like conscious logical mind does, right? And so you have to tap into that emotion in order for people to really feel something. And an agency like ours where we do a lot of work in like B2B, so we're selling things like drywall screws. Not exactly what we were like, I want to work for a drywall. Like we're all like Nike and Colgate, you know, like those brands. I think being a B2B marketer, and we do consumer and B2B and all of it, like it takes an even more special, more creative approach to things when it's a commodity. You know, one of the best campaigns we've ever done is for copy paper, like the most low interest category you can think of. And it was really getting into the heart of like, what does paper mean and why is it important in your life? And so you show that up in like an anniversary card that your husband sends us an e-card and you're like, an e-card, give me a freaking paper card, right? And like some of those other things and like really getting and tapping into the emotion that that client came to us and they're like, we need a campaign about environmental sustainability. People keep saying stop printing, right? That's death to our industry. We're like, you need to make people realize and what they care about. So we take them to Comic-Con and have people talk about how it all began on paper, right? And those are the kind of things I think that are like incredibly meaningful and like fun campaigns or the things where you're like, oh man, yeah, it really makes me feel something. And then also finding really cool ways to activate them, right? Like there's always a place for solid advertising, banner ads and social media and those things. But the cool stuff is when you're like in an environment and you're activating in like some cool experiential way, that's really like kind of where the magic happens. Because that's when you're like interacting with people and getting that engagement. So that's really like the most fun that we get to have. So if you're from Syracuse, you're going to agree with me when I say this. If there's anything we know how to do here, it's eat, okay? I'm a big eater, always have been, but I'm also a fan of eating things that make me feel good, at least during the week, and it can't always be stretch bread and tomato oil from pastas, unfortunately. Usually, Monday through Friday, I intermittent fast until about 1 p.m., and I always try to break my fast with a protein-packed and nutrient-dense meal, something light, 
but gets the job done. Even though pastas for lunch absolutely slaps, I just can't afford the nap that I have to take after eating a meal like that. And honestly, if there's anything downtown Syracuse is lacking, I'd say there needs to be more healthy lunch spots. Which is why I am so excited that Syracuse's newest juice bar and raw cafe, Soul Society, opened up inside of the Emerson on Genesee Street. Soul Society is stocked daily with fresh-pressed, cold juices and posh bites to eat. Whether you are looking to add something good for your gut or just needing a little pick-me-up, you are sure to find what your body needs. Not only do they have juices and energy balls, but they also have smoothies, salads, and toasts. That being said, Soul Society is generously offering our listeners 20% off of any order at Soul Society. All you have to do is mention that you heard this ad on the Cultivate podcast at checkout. Again, that is 20% off of any order at Soul Society located inside the Emerson at 230 West Genesee Street, where beauty and wellness starts within. I like that, how you said it's almost like the mediums in which you deliver the advertising. For example, yesterday I got a coffee from Pewter Spoon in Casanova yesterday, Mm -hmm. and I realized that the sleeve on my coffee wasn't Pewter and Spoon. It was a lifestyle brand in hmm. Casanova, like a community huh. brand. And I thought because of the brand I'm trying to build, huh, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. Uh, because especially coffee shops are where people are right. living and connecting, right? Absolutely. And also another thought that I had when you were just speaking now is the emotion behind campaign. And I, I, when I think of that, I think of the Super Bowl commercials with the golden retriever in it. <laughs> <laughs> There's always one. You right? can always win with dogs and babies. Like that's just advertising 101, right? Yeah. Like cute dog, done. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. But I think you're right. I mean, all those like completely unexpected places or just really smart places that you're like, when are people going to be thinking about X or what if they're not? But where do I have a captive audience in a restroom, right? Where you're like, okay, here they are. And let me just give them this sort of like little bit of mystique and mystery. One of the best things I've ever seen, Jay-Z came out with an album and they did these activations where he had pages and pages of writing that were around the neighborhood that he grew up in in Brooklyn, like on the green of a pool table and like in these completely incredible places. And that's where you're like, okay, that's when I'm really like bringing that to life in a super cool way. But you're right. It's those those moments when you're thinking about like, what are ways that people might be engaging and finding like the unexpected is is really what makes marketing really cool. Yeah. Well, because we all expect the social media campaign and, right. and the commercials and the billboards. But it's those little details that people have, you know, that they had this creative idea and they yeah. went and did it that you almost appreciate the brand more for right. that creative marketing strategy. And then you know, that's really what drove me to go and follow that lifestyle brand is, hey, sure. I like their grit. I, yeah. They're pretty yeah. savvy. Yeah. So I'm going to follow whoever's behind this, right. you know. So when hiring for Mower or or in general, when hiring for a marketing agency, how do you know when someone has it? They have mm. that understanding of psychology right. and that creative, but also analytical and logical side. To yeah. Them. Yeah. I mean, I think we're big on hiring to align with our core values, right? So we have like six core values that are really important to us that talk about being insatiably curious, like you were saying earlier, always wanting to raise the bar, having fun, putting community first, like we go through these things and we actually talk about those core values in our interviews. And we're like, let us tell you a little bit about Mower because this is how we roll and this is what we expect. And like, 
let us know if that's cool with you, right? So there's that part of it that I think that values alignment is so critical because that's when you know you've got like the right person, the right human and like with all the great sort of characteristics that you're looking for. But on the sort of skill set side of that, I think a big piece of that is curiosity. I remember having an interview with a woman that she's one of our newest employees and she came and she sat down. She was interviewing for a role in our new business team. And not a lot of people are like, I want to do sales. Like, it's just not that common in our industry of what people want to do. And she came and she sat down with a notebook of pages and pages and pages of ideas around how to pitch brands with a focus on sustainability, because that's a big piece of what we do. And I was like blown away. Now I knew her, I already met her and I was like, this woman is like full of enthusiasm. She was like one of those people for me, we are very much a company that we're like, there's no job too small. I'll take out the garbage. I don't really care. Like we're just one of those things that we're like all for one, one for all. And to have that kind of attitude and recognize that you're going to like kind of be one of our people, but somebody who really has that, like that hunger, right? That thirst and that knowledge is almost more important to me than skill set. When it comes to creative, that's a different thing. And again, it's really about understanding people and demonstrating that empathy and wanting to do that. And like, that's so important when we're thinking about how we're engaging with our clients. But you use the word grit. I always talk about that with us. Like that is very much who we are. So yeah, I think those are the personality and characteristics that I think, again, really kind of shine a bit more. But it's always that curiosity is probably one of the number one things. I'm curious about our industry and about you know, wanting to to know and learn and like get on the latest technology and like understand AI, like all of the things that are going to matter in their world, that to me shows like they're going to be a great, a great yeah. fit. But you can always, you can just tell by someone's energy. Yeah. And, and just the way they speak, it's complacency. That's what you definitely mm-hmm. don't want, right. especially in a marketing firm because it is right. ever changing. Right. Having that thirst. But I also really like how you brought up, I, I'll take out the trash too. And for me, something happened inside me because I just resonated with that so much. Mm. I really, truly believe that if you're not willing to take out the trash, even when you've reached that success, that field goal in your mind, you're not going to sustain. You're not going to last. You're going to burn out, right? Right. Right. You have to be gritty enough and also aware enough that you're going to still have to take out the trash at times. Yes. Well, that's, I think it, right. It's not even looking at it like, look at me. I'm such a martyr. I'm taking out. It's just like, this is just what we do. It doesn't even cross my mind as being a weird thing. Like it's just who we are. And I talk with my girlfriends a lot, many of whom have started businesses or owners run companies, and we all have a really similar kind of background, right? We all worked our way through college and did those things that we always knew and worked two, three jobs, whatever it took to get where we needed to go. And it wasn't about ambition. It was about just that ethic of like understanding, wanting to be independent and self-sufficient and doing all the things. And I think that to me is just such a critical component of like people. And I think that's something you instill with people really young. Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to say, it can't really be taught. Especially, no, I mean, I think it, you know, it could be probably encouraged. Yes. (laughs) But I look for that. I look for that in in people that we, that we work with. And, you know, if anybody's like, oh, I don't, there's somebody else that can do that for me. I'm like, oh, that's cute. No. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. Yeah. So let's pivot a little bit. I'm really curious. How do you live your life? What are the habits that you (laughs) have outside of work that allows you to show up being the leader that you are? I think that's probably one of the most important things that I've learned over the last few years is the importance of taking care of yourself because you can't 
be great for everybody else if you're not great for yourself. Like you have to be able to take care of yourself in whatever way. And I think a lot of people, there's so much talk about self-care and people look at that as like, make sure you're doing your girls' nights and you're getting your nails done. And like, those are all important things, right? I do all of that. Even some of those things can feel like a chore because you're like, yeah scheduling them. And it's like, oh, I have to go and I have to drive out there and I have to go and get whatever. I always say, I wish I could drop my hands off at the nail salon and come yeah, back and, and pick then them come up. back and pick them up. Yeah. While I'm like running around doing 18 other things. I think for me, one of the most important things is like, I have an incredible support system, right? I have like the most incredibly supportive husband ever. I have a mom who is like, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I'll pick up and drop off the dry cleaning and like all of the things. So I think those things are really, I'm very grateful for that. But I think one of the most important things is not only caring for yourself, while you're out, while you're doing the girls' weekends and you're, you know, spending the afternoon at the salon, whatever you're doing, I think it's also taking care of yourself in the moment, right? I'm very big on like a little bit of, I don't do a lot of like affirmations, but I do a lot of like breathing. Deep breathing is like a huge thing for me in the moment because I'm a little excitable. And so I need to like try and work the stress but it's all something you have to practice all the time. I think people feel like, oh, you are a leader. You've accomplished and you've got to where you are. Like I screw things up all the time and screw up the way that I care for myself. Like I need to be around humans. That's where I get my energy. And sometimes when I'm feeling, when things are hard, when things are really tough, I will isolate and I'll like, okay, I just need to be alone and I'll do my own thing. And I realize that's not the best thing for me because then I'm like, oh, now I'm lonely and I'm sad. and I. <laughs> I need to be around people. Even if it's like getting up and walking around and seeing strangers, it's just recognizing the things that kind of give you that, that kind of fill up your tank again when it feels like it's been depleted. And I think that's one of the most important things is like really having that sense of self-awareness and recognizing because what works for somebody else, what works for you might not work for me and vice versa, right? And so I think from a habit perspective, I need to get outside. I need to walk. I need to be in nature in some form. I need to breathe. I need to be around people in some way. That's also, it's, again, it's continually practicing that, right? You're going to screw it up. You're not going to do the breath work in the middle of the meeting. You're going to lash out. Whatever's going to happen, you just have to keep working on it. So it's not like, I've achieved this. Now I'm done. No, no. You have to keep working all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And even, I'm a huge deep breather myself. It's right. done numbers for me. But I've even become more self-aware of when I need to breathe too. I yes. didn't just start out knowing when I no. needed to do breath work. It, it's it been a process. And I think it all comes down to becoming more conscious yeah. and aware and mindful. And Absolutely. your mission is to serve others. You're constantly right. serving others. It is about other people, but yeah. you can't show up and do that effectively if you completely ignore yourself. Right. right. And I think you're 100% right that we so often are thinking, especially if you're like an empathic person, that's always like, I'll take it because not everybody can kind of handle all of the emotion and all the, all the tough stuff. So you just take more on because you don't want other people to have to feel something they're not great at. And uh, a friend just said to me the other day, like yesterday morning, like you cannot leave yourself with the scraps. You have to feed yourself. And you have to sometimes eat first. And that's hard, I think, for all of us who initially think, well, that's selfish. Like, that's my immediate response when she said that. And it was like, but no, it's really not. It's actually the best thing 
for me and for everybody around me. Because when you get depleted that way and you do all of that, then you sometimes can feel resentful, which isn't fair. And it's really your own doing to a degree, right? Like I'm the one who's choosing not to take care of myself. I'm the one who's choosing not to put myself first in situations. So it's it's kind of a hard thing to wrestle with because we're, I think, taught that you shouldn't put yourself first. You should put your children first, your employees first, your partner first. And so it can be a hard pill to swallow, to recognize that like, oh no, I should, I need to do that for myself yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point too for anybody that's in any sort of leadership position, especially if you're delegating out yeah. jobs. I just hired my first employee. I'm just learning how to be a boss of someone yeah. else. And I've also been in positions before where I might have been privately contracted to do work for another brand or whatever. And I have noticed that I'm just happy to be in the position that I'm in. So I almost bend my needs to just be good enough for somebody else yeah. to help me out. Like I, It's almost like I don't expect people to really want to help me. So yeah. I, I'll end up picking up the work that I'm actually paying someone else to do. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, a lot of business owners don't take a salary for right. years right. when they should. Right. And so, yeah, it's definitely important to remember that because without that sort of mindset of pay yourself first, we always hear that. Right. You're going to burn out. Right. And you're not going to last, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think I think you're right to recognize that actually when you aren't delegating and giving them that you're also taking an opportunity away from them. Like you're looking at it like, oh, aren't I helping you in this way? When in fact, giving them the opportunity to do some of the work, take on some of the leadership, do some of the things is actually a gift to them. And it might feel like, oh, but is it? I totally get that part. Like when we have hard times and things are tough, we need to stay late at night. I'm always like, I'll take it so you don't have to, because I want to take the heat or I want to take the, the tough stuff. And sometimes it's like that really can be somebody's opportunity to shine and to feel like they're the hero. And I don't want to deny somebody feeling that. That's really interesting because I never thought of it like that. Mm -hmm. Almost kind of reframing the ask right. of somebody else and making it more of an empowering ask right. from them and right. making them feel like, oh, they're their own leader too. Absolutely. You have a leadership position here right. and we need right. you. That's so powerful. So. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of philanthropic associations, too. Are you still associated with the United Way? Yeah. 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 Can we yeah. talk a little bit about what you do with the United Way sure. and what the United Way is for anyone that may not know? Absolutely. Oh, yay. So fun. So I got started. Actually, my relationship with the United Way started when I was in high school. So I worked at a grocery store. I was a cashier for like two and a half years. My favorite job. I loved it. And I got to like talk to people, be like, what you making today, mac and cheese? I work Gouda. Like, I love that job. So anyway, so working there, we donated. I mean, I was, you know, this was many years ago and I was a cashier. Like I said, I made $4.15 an hour because that was minimum wage at the time. And I donated like 50 cents a paycheck or something. They had a relationship with United Way, which is a big thing that United Way does is connect with people through uh, their employers. And so they give you many companies an opportunity that people can donate to United Way through their paycheck, which sometimes is a little bit easier for people to do than writing a big, big check, right? Or like, eh, I don't want to write $100, but if I can spread it out over 26 paychecks or whatever it is, that's a little bit easier to manage. Uh, and so it's a really great way for people to be able to engage. So that was what, how my relationship with the United Way started 30 plus years ago. 
And now, I mean, it was several years ago, I joined their marketing committee, uh, and then I was asked to join the board. So I was on for a few years. I chaired the board for a couple of years. I'm the immediate past chair. So we have this phenomenal chairperson, my dear friend, Evelyn Ingram, who's leading the board now. So I'm actually on my on my the tail end of my time. My, my term ends in March of 24. So I'll be departing from my board role, but I'm sure I will continue my engagement my husband and I are big supporters of their endowment fund and some things like that. But United Way is a convener in our community. It's been around for a hundred years and um, really recognizes and, and does a ton of research to understand what are the greatest needs in the community. And then they engaged with, we, we engaged with dozens of nonprofits and support the programs that represent those greatest needs in the community. So we are able to kind of convene people. You bring organizations together that are like, hey, you're providing this service to people. Very often, those same people that you're serving might need this service from this organization. Let's come together and talk about partnership and collaboration. So United Way is very often at the table or leading those conversations along with people like our county executive, Ryan McMahon, and the mayor and other groups that are like really, again, recognizing what the greatest needs are and also making sure that the United Way helps a lot of nonprofits ensure their like fiscal management and responsibility. So the people that donate to United Way know that their money that's going through United Way is going to organizations that are using it to address the greatest needs, that they're maximizing those investments because they know that the dollars are being spent and they're not going to administrative needs and all those other things. And so it's such an incredible organization that's been around again for so long and uh, continues to thrive and really lead sort of the nonprofit community in central New York. And what's great about United Way is that all of the money that people donate all stays right here. None of it's going outside of central New York. It's really, again, addressing the needs of the people that, you know, our neighbors and friends that need whatever those services may be from everything from a family who finds themselves with somebody with uh, a vision impairment all the way to basic needs for people, housing, food, et cetera. So that's a huge impact. I had no idea that they played this sort of management role amongst all of yeah. the amazing nonprofits here in right. central New York. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the things that for people who are making donations, that is really very comforting to recognize that, okay, here's an organization that's helping these nonprofits again, ensuring that the money is going at the right place, it's going to the right programs, it's being spent wisely. And that those organizations can thrive and continue to to do what they do because they have somebody like the United Way kind of giving them a little help or a little support when they need it. Yeah. And also the standard of work Absolutely. that you guys do is very, very high, which I think right. for someone like you or anyone else that is considering be, getting involved with them, that's right. a huge incentive because, you know, someone like you who's running a very, you know, a pillar of the community sort of company and it, you're, you know, obviously... a I would say an, an ambassador of Central New York, you know, you want to know that your work is meaningful and Absolutely. the time that you are investing and dedicating because right. it's a huge investment for someone who doesn't have much time. You know, it's it's time well spent. Absolutely. Yeah, there's like a confidence that comes with that of knowing that these are people who are doing things for the right reason, again, responsibly. And there's there's a real confidence in being connected with an organization like that because you know that it's all going for the right place and for the greatest needs. Yeah. So your yeah. time will be done in March. Do you have any other other nonprofits in mind or other ideas that you had to kind of redirect that time spent at the United Way? Yeah, I just actually I have a new thing that's really exciting that I'm going to be partnering with. But I'm also on the board for Loretto, 
which is a has been a, a relationship that we've had as Mower and Loretto. They're uh, a wonderful client of ours, good friends with the head of their marketing team, Julie Sheedy, Kim Townsend, their CEO. So I'm really excited about that. So I am a brand new board member for Loretto. So that's exciting. But I also just agreed I'm going to be the volunteer chairperson for the Alzheimer's Walk in 2024. Wow. And that's an organization and a mission that's really close to my heart. We lost my dad to Alzheimer's uh, two years ago. And so it's really going to be a bit of a family affair. So when they approached me and asked me to do this, and they've actually never had a volunteer chair for the Alzheimer's Walk. So it's the first time they're doing that. So it's such an honor to be like that inaugural person. And uh, it was actually through Kim Townsend at Loretto, my friend Melanie Littlejohn at National Grid, that they know my story, right? They know about my family's uh, experience with Alzheimer's. So when they approached me and asked me to do this, I called my mom. I called my sister. I said, I want Ryan, my nephew, involved. I talked to my husband, of course. And we're like, let's do this together. What an incredible way for our family to be able to try and bring awareness for this disease. And there's so many advancements that have been made, new drugs, new diagnostics, all these things. And as our population gets older and the people that are experiencing or really living with or seeing Alzheimer's and dementia is just exacerbating. And so it's such an important education and awareness to have for communities to be able to talk about and understand what this looks like and what it means for families, the help that's out there for caregivers, which is so important. So I'm just honored and really excited about that. So that's going to be October 6, 2024. I'm really excited for you. I'm also really interested in looking into the United Way too simply because of everything they do for... Well, there's a couple of great affinity groups that might be really interesting for you too, United Way. And actually, I got the opportunity with my friend Evelyn Ingram and Laura Surway, who's one of my dear, dear friends, and Nanny, who's the president of United Way. We all created a few years ago, Women United, which is a women's affinity group. That's incredible. You are just an absolute powerhouse, (laughs) Stephanie. I... I really look up to you and I also want to thank you for trusting me with your story and your influence and thank you for investing your time and energy to growing the CNY Women's Network and growing this brand. Thank you. And congratulations to you. I mean, what you're doing is so incredible. You're this like entrepreneur with all these great ideas and creativity and passion and it just comes through. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, you're going to... You just made my day. Oh, my God. (laughs) Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me for the Cultivate podcast. Yes. And I can't wait to sit down and chat a little bit more. Absolutely. If you found today's episode as inspiring as I did, please do me a favor and share it with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you think this conversation would inspire. I really do want to hear your guys' feedback, so be sure to comment your favorite part about this episode on our latest post with Stephanie. Remember, episodes launch every Monday, and be sure you're following us on Instagram and TikTok where you can check out our highlight clips. Follow us at cnywn.cultivatepod on Instagram or CNY Women's Network on TikTok by simply clicking the links in the show notes. And that's all for today, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week. But wait, don't go. I have a question for you. Are you a migraine girly like me? If you are, I have the perfect solution for you. Every time I feel a migraine coming on, I call up Captivate Wellness and see if they can get me in quick for a little IV hydration bag. 
That's exactly what your body needs when you feel a migraine coming on or even a cold. They have a few different IV bags to offer their clients a very customized experience based upon what they're really looking for. So for a migraine, I like to do their recovery bag. It's full of vitamin C, amino acids, and glutathione, which is great for detoxing. And if I feel a little sore throat situation going on, instead of reaching for my airborne, I call Captivate Wellness and see if they can get me in for a immunity bag, which is full of so much vitamin C. I believe it's 10,000 milligrams, which if you compare it to airborne, airborne only has about a thousand milligrams of vitamin C in it. So seriously getting in the vitamin C, it'll basically fix whatever problem you're having with your immune system if you do feel a cold coming on. But IV hydration bags are not the only thing that Captivate offers. Wellness may be a fashionable term, but Syracuse's most exclusive wellness and beauty bar, Captivate Wellness, makes good on the promise. Captivate is the first and only woman-owned facility of its kind in Syracuse, and they focus on a holistic, whole-body optimization. Their proprietary IV infusions target physical health, offering healing benefits as diverse as advanced hydration to their signature fountain of youth, their NAD, which is an IV or shot that heals basically everything on a cellular level. Captivate's Beauty Bar enhances your natural glow, a full offering of aesthetic treatments and injectables administered by health professionals not only adept medically, but trained rigorously in the nuances of the human face. Most of all, Captivate is on the perpetual hunt for everything cutting edge. They are the pioneers for ketamine therapy in central New York, and it is offered in a luxe and soothing setting. Captivate fully embodies their slogan, Mind Body Glow, and they want you to as well, which is why they are generously offering our listeners 10% off your first service at Captivate. All you have to do is click the book now link in our show notes at the very end and simply put in cultivate 10 in the notes section. It should be in the reason for visit box. So again, Captivate is offering our listeners 10% off their first service. All you have to do is enter cultivate 10 in the reason for visit box when you book online.